0: It is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons and Adam Smith all with you from the top of the tower. Uh, Pretty excited by the weekend that's ahead of us. Liverpool facing Everton in the Merseyside Derby. John, I'm concerned about the weather.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. First thing I thought was, oh, that looks like a leveller. Well, not so much the weather from that point of view in that
0: obviously it will be a little bit of a level of these things happen. It's weather in football. I'm actually literally concerned the game I get called off or something no, bad like that. No, no, I think that... I mean, I'm saying that I want the listeners to know this. If you've just switched on to City Talk and this is the, your first time listening to City Talk, don't think I speak with any background in facts or knowledge at all here. So well, don't be panicked. Andy, he just show
1: me an image, like one of them weather images of, of the UK from above and that. And it, there is a big... Thing above Liverpool. I, I was going to call it a cloud. Then it looking more than a cloud, Adam. You know, like a storm, like a, like a grey sky. Yeah, cloud. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just bad things happening above Liverpool on Sunday. I mean, they're guessing. <laughs> they're always guessing, aren't they? Like the wind could change, and that could, uh, you know, Essex could but get it.
0: It is a forecast.
1: Yeah, and, uh, exactly. You
0: know, and let's hope Essex doesn't get it. They don't wear any socks. They're people <laughs> be the But there is, you know, it, there is that sort of. Yeah, I've just got it in my head that, you know, it's going to be like all this. One of them where they're talking about access rooted and out of the ground and all of this.
1: They can't call off the Merseyside Derby, you know what I mean? Sky have been talking about this for months, the old <laughs> Manchester Liverpool thing. Like, you know, they're showing it all
2: over the world. You know, Asian TV won't be happy either. They're not bothered. When was the last time a match was actually called off because of snow, you we remember? Well, there was. It the, was, the, was that Arsenal one years ago, wasn't there? That when they were worried about people outside the ground. And there was another Arsenal one that was called off for fog. And I always remember the fog one
0: yeah. And there
1: was a mad one for Everton Because the roof was falling apart yeah. <laughs> Remember? I remember that I one remember. Oh, That was the one that that, uh, that Malaysian fella come over for it And oh, got in the yeah. ground I'm sorry
2: I do remember And yeah, yeah.
1: then come watch it So they took him round um, I don't know Belfield or something Are <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> they still at Belfield? <laughs> I'm not sure they
2: are Whatever they are these Fitch days Farm The, the new farm. ground Took him round the dock <laughs>
0: this is this is exposed a uh, And my feet are wet um, No, there is there, Yeah, it is uh, It's just in my head It shouldn't be in my head The weather How the weather plays a part We'll come on to talk about that in a bit And that weather does play a part in football We don't talk about it enough There was a time when all match reports would start with Or end with what the weather was like that day uh, But we will come on to talk about that in a minute Before then we have to talk about how good the Reds were And the answer to the question as to how good the Reds were John how good were the Reds
1: very I thought it was our best performance of the season Um, and not just because it was the highest score I think it was I thought we were very well balanced. I thought we looked solid. We controlled the game. I thought Moscow were quite quite a good team, but they couldn't get the attacking players on the ball enough because we were just so dominant. So look, it helps to get a penalty every, after three minutes. That that settles everyone, and and you know that does allow us to, to to play our football to a degree. But you know, play the football they did. That second goal is just sensational. The the third, a lovely finish, um, and just just some of the movements, some of the play. I just think it's fantastic. I've got a really good seat at Anfield in that. It's it's like, you know, you're like watching, you know, from above and you're able to see what everyone should be doing, if that makes sense. And so I'm just, I spend 90 minutes telling lads who they should be passing to. Um, and what I think Liverpool are playing really, really well is that they spot passes. That I that I couldn't see even in my kind of fantastic, and that's what they were doing. You know that that second goal. They're just you know they're just they're just spotting runners that that, that you haven't even seen, and and they've got a much a tougher angle, and and people running at them and all sorts. And so you know it's just just fantastic to watch an absolute absolute joy. Mahoney's goal's amazing, isn't it? Yep. That's such a hard thing to do. I was that. I
2: was literally <laughs> saying. I was saying on Twitter about five minutes before I was like I want him to get a goal because he's been he's had a couple of chances the last few games where he's been in that position where it's been a lovely team move or a nice little through ball or something yeah. and he's just hit it wide or yeah. hit it over or whatever and I was like yeah I just think he needs a goal to settle him <laughs> well he got one in yeah. fairness yeah. it definitely was a settler it really was how yeah. oh, could you not be
0: settled after that Adam They were. it, it was It was all phases of the pitch really where I was, I was impressed there wasn't a Liverpool player you weren't impressed by and as John says you score that opening goal you get a penalty and then a daft penalty but a, but a penalty and then you do you score that second and I'm sure everybody you also know that the only way you go out is if they beat you and now they've got to score three goals so it is a mass relaxing for everyone you know you get to just play your football at that point but to do it with just that level of panache and that level of,
2: of Brio really I just thought that they were, they were exceptional I think the most exciting thing about it is, <laughs> is gears I, I didn't feel like we went up any you know we we had gears and gears to go in that, in that game and I think What's, um, I've become really fascinated by sort of football fan psychology lately, and especially around Liverpool supporters. Because going into the game, you know, loads of Liverpool supporters are like, oh, you know, I oh, still could lose. Even 3 0 up, you know, people say, oh, still could lose this, still could lose this. But, we, you know, we've conceded two at Anfield all season. And yes, we've, you know, we've not looked particularly great on the road at times. But, we, you know, we've been absolutely sensational at home. And we've been in a really, really good you know sort of vein of form and I felt like we you know it was if Klopp could have sort of sketched out how the perfect pre-derby game was to go then I think that's what he would have what he would have wanted because it was like a training exercise for the last sort of you know hour which is just ideal.
0: I mean, I'll go back to you on that, Adam. You could see, I think, when you're talking about the relaxation, there's little bits like, for instance, where Salah doesn't score, where he's turned away from goal and he just sort of decides he's just going to turn the other way. Such quick feet. dances past two of them and then he looks to put it in the far corner. And that's where, again... It feeling a little bit like a training ground re- regime that's where that came in for me really that you're seeing stuff like that and you're thinking you don't really see many footballers try things like that in an active game and only when footballers are feeling in, in a fantastic place and are completely relaxed with themselves and their teammates do you actually see them try some of this stuff
2: yeah I and the thing the thing I like the most, and I, you know, I heard you guys talking about it on the review show, uh, is just the way the four players were, were interchanging with each other, were all helping each other, selflessly playing for each other. You made the the, the the point about Sturridge doing it when he came on as well. That Everybody just seemed to be in a really relaxed frame of mind. Now, of course, being three, four goals up against a team who, who aren't going to score that many against you, and at, at a place where you've only conceded two in the league all season, is it, it, it's going to relax you of course it is but it just feels like it's a team that's hit its stride at the minute it's a, it's a team that's kind of and it also feels to give the manager's due like this is what he's been building up for I think he very much got his fingers burnt last season with how things went around Christmas and, and especially New Year and I think he's been trying to get them to win in second gear throughout the season I think we've played a lot better than some people gave us credit for and not got the results at the start of the campaign especially in the Champions League but I think the manager's been gearing them up to get into the point where they where they can play in a relaxed fashion and put together a performance like they did the other night and and you know people can say oh it's only Sparta at Moscow, well they say it was only Maribor Maribor have either won you know or, or lost 1-0 or drawn one all in every match either side of the game against us you know they're not a poor uh, waste of space team so I think we've really, we're have really we really hitting a, a stride and it's at just the right time with all the games that are to come. Yeah,
1: it is it is exciting at times to be able to be a Liverpool fan and we're going to go on and talk about the derby but I've spent like two days trying to think of reasons why we won't win on Sunday and I'm really,
2: really struggling. I've got a few for you later. Go, well,
1: okay, well I look forward <laughs> to that just because you think like all, all logic suggests that, that, that we're going to come through because they're just playing so well at the moment and they're so kind of Few cracks, and and that's what's been really nice. Obviously, you know, ever since clubs come in, there's been great football mixed with bad defending, largely or or bad decision making or bad kind of management of games at the and at the moment, it just feels like there's kind of none of that. And look, we're not going to win games forever, and so that's (laughs) what you know. Attempted logic point number one: we're not going to win games forever, but it it just feels like at the moment we're just going to win much more than we won't because everything seems set up. For, for us to do well
0: It's a st- that from 4 John um, When the You know They're now Average something like a goal Every 20 odd minutes Or something Whenever they play be On the pitch together And that also includes The they first Score
1: every time They leave the house
0: Score every time They leave the house <laughs> And that also includes The first game In Moscow Where they hadn't Played together before And they only got the one So that shows How, how much that can Still be compressed further For me it's For me it's a triumph for brains And I think that that's it's Obviously it's Unreal technique, it's genuine pace, it's physical ability, it's it's lots of things. But I what I see them do is I just see them absolutely bamboozle, opposition defenses. That's the you know, the second goal that you mentioned before is is a great example of of where I'm sure you in your seat with your vantage points, you were probably all the way through suggesting somebody do something else. I know I was from where I was in the cop. I was always in favour of something else happening than what actually happened. But then when you see the fact that when by the time the ball reaches Catinio there isn't a single Spartak player in view of a camera angle who's got a normal body shape. They're all twisting and turning. Like, I don't know where, where this next thing's coming from, what's happening next. It's mad where the goalkeeper ends up sprawled. And I just think that that's, that that's a triumph of what's going on upstairs, not just what they're doing with the with the ball at their feet.
1: Yeah, definitely, because it's it's so hard to, to tell players to go out and just express themselves for the manager. But you've got to have a real belief in the players to do that because normally it'd end in disaster and you feel like but they are but these these lads can do it first of all because they're just really honest in terms of the work rates and things like that and I was watching the goals back before because I just loved them and I noticed you know for for Mane the last goal he wins the ball for that and you're thinking you know this is your this is your star forward he's just been named top 30 in the Ballon d'Or uh you know I think he was top 25 and you know a, a wonderful footballer and but he's you know 85 minutes at uh, Six nil. He's still trying to win the ball, and so and you know, for me, you know, you know, you could you could talk about his his work rate and what he does for the football team all day. Coutinho's the same. Salah's you know is is committed and. So when you when you've got lads who are like that, really, you can you can afford you can we well, can get more of them on the pitch for the start, but you can afford to give them a bit more of expression because you know that they'll that they'll work for you. You know they won't think, well, I'm, well, I'm high up the pitch now. I've, I've I've got here. We've lost the ball. I'll just kind of leave it, and so so it allows them to allows them to play more more a, a kind of a attacking players. Really, knowing that knowing that they'll be honest and. They just seem to really enjoy playing together as well, and I think that really helps. It really the the always kind of challenging each other to to find new ways to be brilliant. to they're well, let's let's try this one now. And so and so it is bamboozing for the opposition. And in terms of formations as well, I've seen kind of Wednesday's formation described in so many different ways. The manager's calling it a four four one one, isn't he? Which I'm not completely convinced it is. I think it's it's different. Out of possession possession that it is in possession exactly, as well, which, so. which which you know, and so that that's allowing us to be a little bit more solid now and. And, and kind of controlling the game a little bit more but but when in position, possession even if it's I mean it's probably close to a four two three one, 3 one but even that the guy who's playing attacking midfield and the guy who's playing centre forward you know they're switching all the time sometimes you know it's for me in you know, nine Sometimes you know he's he's doing something else, and Salah have a little bit of a go. So you know if you're trying to man mark, then you've any much in you know, all the best territory.
0: I you are in all the best territory as one of the things that sort of strikes me is I, th- I think they are they, they are expressing themselves. But I think you see them they all manoeuvre into space. It's as though they know, right? This is someone. It's not that, and this is why, why I think the brains are so important. It isn't as though you, someone has to be there, so this player will be there. It's that listen, one of us needs to make sure we just fill that space. One of us needs to make sure we just fill that space, and we're available there. And then you might see when Alden come, and he'll fill another space, maybe somewhere else, or, or, or Chan might make a gamble, or a fullback might, might make a gamble. My point is that to me, it looks like they do get to express themselves, they do get to cut loose, but there is also an expectation when when the ball is here, you will be in these certain areas, but you may not be. You're playing left mid. You're playing right mid. You're playing number nine. You're playing off the front. So therefore, you will be there.
2: It's what you were saying about intelligence. They're all intelligent players, and they they know that when you're playing a team that that, that sort of sets up, and it'll be interesting to see how things pan out on on Sunday. But if you're playing a team that sets up to to be a deep playing side, which Spartak did, you know, and obviously the penalty scored so early does kind of throw their game plan a bit out of whack. But they turned up to to you know to sort of play quite defensively. Well, then, one of the best things to do to make space is to create it by running into areas they don't want you to run into because they've got to track you. So if you've got, if you're Salah and you know Marne is knocking about in one little place, then you run the other way, and people will go with you. And Marne's opened up the space there. Firmino's coming up behind him. Coutinho's there as well. And as you say, Wynaldum's getting involved. And that that's that's so difficult for a, a team to to deal with if they're not a hundred percent switched on because your players are. And it, so if you've got a, a side that you know that they're either not completely hundred percent switched on. Or, you know, you go 1-0 down early on and you think, we're already out here, what's the point? Then, you know, it's very, very difficult then to think, oh, well, I I won't track that runner because he's got nowhere to go or he's going to be offside or whatever it might be. And it's just the game intelligence of the forwards who who are moving into space to create space for other people because they're not bothered about whether they're the ones that score. You know, Suarez used to score so many sublime goals because he was bothered about being the one that would score, so he just hit it over 25 players or whatever it was that he'd do (laughs) and, you know, put it in the back of the net. This lot, they're not Bothered? It's not, it doesn't seem to be a kind of you know selfish. I want to put the ball in the back of the net. It's I want Liverpool to put the ball in the back of the net, and, and that seems to be the attitude that the manager <laughs> has engendered in them right the way through, uh, you know, his time here, but especially this season, and, and it's paying dividends now.
0: Uh, this is the Ampelapp and Radio City talk. After the break, we're going to have a chat about Liverpool squad management and also the growth and development of this squad, which is in and of itself fascinating. Uh, we're going to move on to that in a minute or two, and then we're going to be looking ahead after seven o'clock to the Merseyside derby with Dave Downey. He's going to be coming in for that, but don't go anywhere in the meeting time. Welcome back, it's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Listen, if you're over for the weekend, there's going to be a QA and a at the Beer Keller in association with Red's Bet, uh, and that's going to be with the Anfield Wraps, Mike Nevin and Gareth Roberts. Gareth's got on our events, isn't he? John, you've done you did stuff with oh, the Kong
1: you will do something about four o'clock that'll make you feel like ten feet tall, and then we're going to beat and 25-0.
0: That's what exactly what I'd be in it for. you'll uh, <laughs> do that between two and six uh, on uh, Saturday the 9th in the Beer Keller. Uh, Neville will be with him as well. you will do something at five o'clock that'll make you feel vaguely uncomfortable. Um <laughs> <laughs> are free uh free yeah uh, that, all that to come but it will be fantastic John Aldridge is there as well and we'll be mostly confused by Nevin as the whole thing wears on uh, but it will be fantastic and there's uh, there's all sorts that you can get from that so do go down to that if you fancy it the Beer Keller at Liverpool 2pm on 9th of December it is a free entry based event uh, I also want to mention um, if I get the opportunity to do so which I will uh, I want to mention that on, on Saturday again uh, sorry from, from, from today it's happening right now um, until uh, through the early evening and then until uh, from midday tomorrow uh, there is a Fanscape and Republic of Liverpool event at 2 Pilgrim Street where they're selling three brand new LFC craft beers uh, and they've also got t-shirts and they've got canvas prints, uh, all very gift orientated uh, for that so you can get down to that, it's number 2 Pilgrim Street uh, up the top end of town, that's happening right now tonight as this goes out and it is also happening uh, tomorrow from midday, Uh, loads of people looking forward to Derby weekend and cutting loose Uh, I am also looking forward to the same how could you not be, Uh, anyway I want to talk about this Liverpool squad all of a sudden, and the extent to which how squad has sort of has sort of crept up on on us. I think in general, John, I think that there's that there's been times this season when you were getting towards the end of the transfer window where you were worried, and where there had been a couple of issues and concerns. And even when you felt that there's been squad management going on, you've not really been quite. Maybe we have all of us. I'm not. I don't want to talk for everybody, but some of us haven't been entirely on. On the page with it, but the, the, the stat came through this week that Liverpool have made 54 team changes from Premier League game to Premier League game. It was on match today too. In second place at Everton with 37. Uh, it's a huge jump though. Chelsea 35, Spurs 33. There's some others in there as well. And I think Everton, you can almost take them out because a lot of the season for them has been trying to find out what the best team is. Not necessarily the idea of, of rotating for, for longevity or for legs, though it is worth pointing out they've been in the Europa League. It it strikes me, John, that that is you know even 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 a for Everton, but th- fifty four for for Liverpool to thirty five for Chelsea is an absolutely enormous jump, and presumably the Manchester clubs and Arsenal are even further back.
1: Yeah, it is. It's it's really surprising, and um, because we've obviously been rotating more this season, but. I think a lot of us have been saying, "Oh, that's what you need to do when in Europe," and and the stats show that he's actually doing it much more than, as you say, the Manchester clubs much more, well, much more than everyone basically. And so, we've taken it to the kind of nth degree, really. And so, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see in terms of whether that's whether he's. You know, Jurgen Klopp's done the right thing, or or not? what we'll, was you know where we're obviously hoping for a really strong second half of the season that'll that'll see us you know flying up the table and and, and doing well in in cup competitions as well. That that that's I think that's what you know what, what the managers planned for here. But it is kind of a lot of changes, but it, it's to our kind of positive really that. There's not many, but not many occasions where you've been able to look at a team and think he's he's changed too much there, or he's you know this this has kind of backfired, and I think that shows the strength of the squad as you say. And I think a lot of us in the summer got fixated, including myself, on what we weren't doing in the transfer market, and kind of didn't really give enough credit to what we were doing, especially from an attacking options point of view at the moment. It's it's. It's scary, both in terms of quality and quantity.
0: What we weren't doing and what we were doing uh, in the transfer market hasn't been interesting. And, and I agree with John that we did, and me, myself included as well, get fixated on that at times. But there's one more little thing here as well. The manager since he's come in, he's talked a lot about why are you all fixated on the transfers. Why aren't you fixated on what happens elsewhere in a football club? And all of a sudden, you find yourself right now, and this is without Lalana and without Klein. And it's important to point that out that they're two lads who would certainly you think being a Liverpool thirteen or fourteen for this manager. Yet he he hasn't had use of either of them really this season. But where you've seen the benefits of training ground work all the time, that players are rehabilitated, that players, that, you know, I was one who thought, thought he would, and wanted him to make significant changes after Spurs, who thought, you know, he was, he, he, that if anything at times, he might be a bit too patient with some of the players, and yet, he'd say, well look at it now lads, look at it now, and listen, one of them might have a bad game in the derby, one, you know, Lovren might be terrible, or Claver might be terrible, or someone, someone might really struggle from nowhere, and then you'll all be saying it again, but my thing is, I back my players and I've been backing my players and I've been developing these players and I've been working with them and I
2: look at all of my my array of options. I think it's really easy to see why the manager's been so frustrated with not only... Not only supporters, but the kind of press narrative, especially when it comes to the defence, because we've, we've had some nightmare games, obviously City and Spurs being the two standout examples. But if you take them out, the defence actually hasn't been that bad. We've conceded loads of goals because nine of them came in two matches or 12 of them came in three matches, if you include Watford at the start of the season. So I think it's easy to understand why the manager's looking at it and going. Well, I know how good they are, and I know what we're getting right here, and I also know how strong this squad is because I know that Joe Gomez, for example, can have a, you know is a centre half of the future for Liverpool now. Obviously, as, as supporters, it's kind of natural that we're going to look at the the negatives because you, you're going to look at it and think, well, yeah, but Klein's out now for, you know, we, we potentially the entire season. We have no idea when he's likely to come back. So you're going to rotate Alexander-Arnold and Gomez. So if we get another injury at centre-half, then we've got, you know, we're down to the bare bones. So what do you do then? You know, and the manager goes, I'll oh, put Aldam in there. Don't worry about it. Like, it's just that kind of thing where I think he he must be looking at his squad and and being very comfortable with it because I think he is also the sort of manager that has an idea of where he wants the squad to be in a year's time. It might not be that right this second, it's exactly what he wants. And the fact that we pursued Van Dijk all summer is clearly a sign that it's not exactly where he wants it to be. But I think he knows where he wants it to be in a year and I think he's happy to look at it and go, well, we're heading in that direction and and right now we are good enough and strong enough to compete for the top four, to compete in the Champions League, maybe to go on an FA Cup run and see where we end up at at the end of all of that. And I think that what we didn't do is important but what we did do is crucial because we got The players that matter the most. I've I've said this point a number of times on Anfield rap Show, so sorry for repeating myself. But the last season we were, you know, top of the league on New Year's Eve after we beat City, and we'd conceded twenty-one goals. We ended up scraping into fourth in the second half of the season, conceding twenty-one goals, and the difference was we lost Marnie. And what did we do? We went out and bought Salah. We've bought Oxley Chamberlain to put in the middle, so that we've got a bit more flexibility in there as well. So. The manager's done what he feels we needed to do. He, of course, he would prefer not to concede 21 goals, but that's, you know, something that he's going to deal with longer term and shorter term he's dealt with what we what we went missing and that could be crucial. John, it's on that as well. The other thing to point out when you say that, on the when, when Adam points out that, you know,
0: after New Year's Eve, we, we are top Um the other thing that's happened here seemingly is is an attempt to address what then happened in January. Because of fixture congestion, because it tends to happen in in December, and then you get through that, as we did with 10 points over the Christmas period last yeah. year. So we all thought... Well, we've yeah, no done- one got more. <coughs> no one got more, and we all thought, we've dealt with that there, well done the lads. But what you actually saw was them dropping like flies in January. And you saw them really struggling for form in January and struggling for sharpness in January and going on into early February. And I just sort of wonder with Amir, with the manager, if part of all this is, well, I just don't want to see that happen at any stage this season. That's why there's been 54 changes so far. It's why there'll be more changes between Brighton and Everton this week. That'll be another three or four to add to the list. You know what I mean? I just think this is this is the way in which it is now. He's just trying to keep them at a certain level, a certain temperature.
1: Definitely. And as I say, we'll have to, we'll have to see if it, if, it, if it pays off. But I think, I think, you, you were all hoping that, that December now the festive period then going into January would be a really good time for us and at a time where where a few others might struggle. And I think, you know, that January period you were you were just looking around saying, who can we play? And it was like what eleven lads can we get on the pitch who are, you know, gonna come closest to a decent performance and no one was in form, as you say. No one looked sharp and it was just it was it was kind of a sorry period, really. Whereas now, you know, you're looking at lads. Oh, you know, he's really unlucky to be left out there. Do you know what I mean you're looking at it completely from a Manny? D- only spent the entirety of the Brighton game on the bench. Yeah, yeah, but but not just not just not just the rest. Of them. I'm talking about lads like Oxley Chamberlain, lads like Sturridge. Yeah, okay. you know, guys like you know Ben Woodburn, who We'd love to be seen given a go, but can't even get onto the bench. You know, I'm talking about you know you know players who if they if they were playing as as well as they are now last January would be a star players do you know what I mean I'm, yeah. t- I'm talking like that where there's you know it's, it, it is a huge difference and, and the manager's got kind of really nice decisions to make now because he's got so many good players in good form
0: He's also got the buy-in from the players around this as well you've seen for instance Henderson get benched for the midweek game and then come back we'll talk about that decision and other ramifications of it after uh, 7 o'clock we're going to be joined in a minute or two by Dave Downey to have a big talk about where the Blues have found themselves this season and the hopes for both Sunday and beyond going and through the Christmas period and toward the third round of the FA Cup as well. Uh, always a pleasure, never a chore. This is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. We'll be back in a second. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey, John Gibbons and Adam Smith. Dave now in the studio to talk about Everton. And Dave, I'll turn your microphone up, that'll help. Uh, there is a lot to be said now for this season for Everton. The two wins back-to-back have helped massively. They've relaxed everyone. It's four wins in total mm-hmm. uh, across all comps. And there's... There's a strange a strange sort of calm has descended, I think. And for me, that tells the story that one of the core issues for over a month there was that the entire football club, and you and I talk quite regularly, just felt rudderless. Mm. And that, that was filtering down to the pitch. We sometimes think, oh, well, they're just footballers, they're going to go out and do it. But it was as though everyone at the club didn't know what was happening. And as mm. soon as it was clear whether you agreed with Aldice or not, whatever your thoughts were, as soon as it was clear, it felt like that fog lifted and everyone went, all right, town, that's just what we're doing, let's do it.
3: Mm. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and the problems then sort of became more of the genuine technical football chit chat that we have every every now and then about how your team's doing form wise. You couldn't point your finger at the excuse being because Everton lacked the manager then. Um and I think it was quite obvious as well that you're seeing players over that five week stint completely down tools because it's like when the the teacher leaves the classroom to go and get a, go and get themselves a drink, and they leave the kids on their own to manage themselves. And um, th- there were players there who should really hang their heads in shame for how they conducted themselves. I think a couple of them went to uh, Limassol as a punishment on Thursday night. Do you think the
1: club could have handled it differently as well? I know we're jumping back a bit here, Dave, but I thought he he looked like such a temporary teacher that that was almost unfair on him. So I'm I'm. I unsworth g- you mean yeah yeah, yeah. So, I'm, so I I, agree with you in that you know the there's the, players who should have more professional pride and more pride in, in the in the shirt and, and all that but also I think if they'd have said you know well it's unsworth to lose then it might have been yeah. a difference whereas because it always seemed like well we're looking for someone else and then this this is the the, the guy we can almost take the mick out of then it, it sort of I felt, I felt sorry for him is what I'm saying
3: I do I, I think he was swung out to dry yeah. in that period I think there was no support from above uh, you didn't see anyone in the, in the the bo- from the board or above David Nunsworth come out and basically say anything. they released a statement, um, a statement which basically indicated how fragmented the club is at boardroom level yeah. because they say Everton and Farhad Mashiri when, you know, on the outside of it, I'm thinking if you've got somebody who's just bought nearly half of your football club, yeah, they should possibly. be included in the collective. Yeah. So um, th- there were issues there. Um, he, as enthusiastic as he is, that probably fed into what, become quite a terminal period for him um, with with the results the way they went and the teams in which he picked if you look at some of the sides he picked there was a there was a very raw naivety about what he did and what he tried to do he's done with the obvious what I think many people would do when they're trying to establish themselves as a manager he's gone in and tried to make changes where everybody you, you think everybody around is going to sit up and listen and think oh god I can't believe he's done that I can't believe he's thrown for instance Benny Beningamy yeah. In, into the mix, who started against Leicester in his first, in in uh, against Chelsea in his first game, in the Carabao Cup. Um, there there were a lot of mitigating circumstances for Unsworth, and he, he he held himself together in a dignified manner, but internally he must have been screaming, saying what's going on here. And Neil made the point that that, that we discussed that word rudderless. I think that, that we've seen leaderless at times as well. And whilst I think reading between the lines, there's people pulling in different directions at boardroom level. I think that's quite obvious in the fact that there was no plan whatsoever after sacking Ronald Koeman. You you can base Everton's downfall this season, I was thinking about this the other day, down to two big things that Everton... Well, the second one they've repeated the first, and that is they knew Lukaku was going for a long, long time and decided to do nothing about it. And they decided to sack Ronald Koeman and didn't have anybody sounded out. Had those two things been handled even just slightly more competently than what they were... I don't think Everton end up with Sam Allardyce as the manager. That's not a criticism of Allardyce. I actually think he's probably the best man to come in and, and and do what needs to be done. But Neil's just mentioned there those those two wins and it's really really funny that the league table this season, two wins have put us in the top half. Yeah. And Allardyce almost joked because he came in after the West Ham game. He watched it from the stands, which we won four 0 and he said on the Friday, "Oh, I'm not used to coming into a football club that's got more points on the board than it has games," and and that's where it's a completely different dynamic for him. This is, a, and I think people have just glossed over this, this is an incredible opportunity for him as, as a manager. Well, people, it's the second biggest job of his life. Exactly. But and, people, and he
0: made a mess of the biggest one within six months in very famous fashion.
3: But it sort of feels like the narrative everywhere you look is, well, how soon can we get rid of him? How, yeah. how long is he going to be here? He's got an 18-month contract. We're clearly going to go back in for silver in the summer. Maybe Fonseca, who was rumoured to be really interested in taking up the job. Um what if he does well? <laughs> you know, handle that. Do you know what I mean? And it's almost like people will begrudge him doing well simply because they want somebody else, and he's not a fashionable name. Um, nonetheless, it, it's it's interesting. I know you're going to get into the derby in a little bit more detail in a minute, but almost in a perverse sense, I'm sat here thinking there's nobody better to be taking hold of this game for us ahead of Liverpool ahead of going to Anfield than, than Sam Allardyce, because you think of the. The absolute catastrophes we've had in the recent in the recent history in Merseyside Derbies. You think here's someone who, who won't who won't mess around in terms of thinking he can go toe to toe. Well he Liverpool. enjoys playing against big teams, doesn't he? Yeah, he's the last sh- one to win at Anfield, isn't he? Last manager Paris, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, al-
0: it's only his only ever league winner Anfield. Was it? Yeah, it's his only Ever yeah. League win at Anfield. But
3: but generally does enjoy
1: playing against big teams and he enjoys the the challenge, whereas you you, you felt like mm. with Moyes, for example, that you know, he'd He'd, he'd always be beaten before he'd turn up. Whereas I mean, Allardyce
3: certainly won't be that. What what haven't have resulted to, to doing? I think, and I, I've said this from probably towards the end of last season when things looked like they could have been going pear shaped. We hadn't won, or we still haven't won since last January in uh, in the league away from home. You know, I think there's sometimes in football it's really easy to overcomplicate things, and when the best thing for your situation should be let's revert to doing something simple and keeping the basics and doing them right. I think that's what Allardyce does. I think that's his mantra as a football manager. He makes no bones about it when he goes into clubs. First thing he does, clean sheets. How do you go about getting that? By getting your defence organised. I think he'll do wonders for the likes of Michael Keane. Um, I think he'll see him almost like a pet project while he's at Everton, because he's exactly the type of player that he's sort of built the foundations of his sides that he successfully saved in the Premier League. Um, How he arrived at getting him will still baffle me. Um, till my dying day, and seeing him at his press conferences, seeing Sam Allardyce wearing an Everton tracksuit, I can't quite get my head around still, I mean disbelief, that's not in a negative way, but I just really can't fathom how we've arrived at this situation what, just over three months since we were meant to be embarking on this incredible new journey having spent £150 million quid under Ronald Koeman, it's just, I I, I can not think of a, a, you, you guys might be able to help th- with this, but I can't think of a Sort of a sporting institution or a team that have fallen from grace, whatever that bit is, so quickly. Because I, I wrote a piece when it was less than 60 days since the transfer window closed, and Everton were talking about being in a relegation battle. I, and and you know, when you get Evertonians, you think, oh, the, the Everton that stuff, and yeah. these things could only possibly happen to us. When stuff like this happens, <laughs> you do genuinely think this could only happen to us. We're the only football team in the world who could spend 150 million quid and make yourself relegation uh, fodder and and not improve on finishing seventh in the league. It could only happen to us, and and that it, it does it makes you it makes you feel those things. And now though. You, the common sense is exactly right, Neil. That's what I feel right now. There's no, it feels as if I've become a little bit numb to the well, situation, having fumed about it for so long.
0: But it also feels like the last two opponents in the league couldn't have been any better. Um, oh no, uh, no. The timing of them: West Ham look worse than Everton, genuinely mm. worse than Everton, and Huddersfield on the road.
3: Free fall, I think they?
0: are in free fall on the road, and it's 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 beginning to look as though it could become a long campaign for Huddersfield. Mm. They've got 15 points on the board, but it looks as though you know they've got Brighton this weekend, and that feels a huge game for them. Uh, but what I'm driving at more here Is that they haven't Is that on the road I think, that they, I think they now haven't scored In seven away games Which yeah. suggests they are going to have A few problems They've the only really scored goes in one on.
3: this season Haven't they yeah. The opening day a Palace
0: yeah. And apart from that They haven't scored away from home yeah. the, the home record's important for them So they have been kind fixtures To, to, to come into at this moment But mm. my point in there is Is that you know One of the, the key ways In which you work out Whether or not you're in a relegation battle Is that you, you get your pen And your piece of paper out And you work out How many of these lads Are actually poorer than us And yeah. at the minute already Pre, even, merely with Everton now appearing to have a sense of direction No matter whose direction it is Before we get on to how well Allardyce does or mm. doesn't do You know, you're, you're in a situation where you're able to say Well, yeah, there's probably six who are worse than us yeah. And if there's six And you end up getting embroiled in it Then you're doing something wrong
3: But to play devil's advocate to that argument, Neil um, and, and I think it's one that many Evertonians Who are really averse to getting Allardyce in Is, well, why do you feel the <laughs> need to Panic in the first place and go and get him And um, you know, you won that game four 0 under Unsworth against West Ham. But
0: by that point, they knew Allardyce was in.
3: Yeah, exactly, and and obviously it's a, it's an unanswerable question in many ways, isn't it? Because you can't you can't possibly say what, however, would yeah. have done had Allardyce not been sitting in the stand And um, Unsworth was keen to say in his last press conference that he Allardyce had no input on the team. Nonetheless, they're still aware that there's a manager yeah, at the yeah, football yeah. club, yeah. so you know that might trigger on different emotions and uh, the way people play and whatnot. Um, but we, we find ourselves now In a situation where we're Eight points above the relegation zone um, By those two You know, you, you do you get Perfect storms in football I always refer to that as like When Leicester won the league All of the teams that normally Challenge for the Premier League Were at odds with certain things Going on internally At each of their respective teams And Leicester took advantage of that Not to take anything away from them But yeah. they did Look at Chelsea where the, the champions were just in A complete mess managerially um, You guys was on the back of Rogers leaving wasn't it and Klopp's first, sort of first yep. season so you're still in transition a lot of things happened that Leicester took advantage of and I think that in in its own sort of way a little bit of a microcosm of that is Allardyce getting the job having two home games in the space of four days against sides that are going to be down in the relegation zone and winning them comfortably to, to, with clean sheets kept which is exactly what Allardyce sort of pervades as a manager it sort of feels like everything's come together for him and You know, I don't want to sit here and say it looks as if he can't believe his luck at times, but he's ridden that crest of a wave almost perfectly. And now he arrives at a state where you're thinking, all right, Sam, look, eight points above the drop zone, pretty clear that there's three worse sides than us this season. Can you show us what you've not shown us before at a football club that you've managed and try and get them onto the next level? And I don't know if you guys read Jamie Carragher's piece on him where he said he, he has to shed the big Sam skin. Mm. As it were And that everything that goes Around it And a lot of that Isn't his fault But that doesn't mean He hasn't embraced it mm-hmm. And I think he's played up To that stereotype he, he, He's almost had a siege mentality When I've seen him At other clubs in the past Where he thinks Everyone hates my style Of management But I'll show them yeah. That type of mindset I think he has to Change that now And if he wants to Stick around Certainly for longer Than the summer But to see out the 18 months that he's got he needs a change in, menta- well, in mentality that reflects a little bit more of what Evertonians feel.
0: When you talk about of away, one of the things that strikes me is the fixtures. I think you mentioned the two that have come, but the ones that for the rest of this month, I think it gets horrible in January, but for the rest of this month, they're actually quite nice for him, I think, in that it's a bit of a free-hit derby, and we'll come on and talk yeah. about it in a second. Uh, but then it's Newcastle away. Yeah, all right, fine. Swansea at home, great. Mm-hmm. No one better to play at the minute unless something, something drastic changes there quickly. Then it's Chelsea at home, and again, that becomes a bit of a free hit, Certainly if you've got got your, your result against Swansea. If you've got that one in the bag, and then it's West away and Bournemouth away, and mm. my point about all of these is that they're all, apart from the two, the two, the two against Liverpool and Chelsea, they're all eminently winnable. If you, you know, if you follow the formula and follow the pattern, and the other two will, if you, if you cut loose and you show something, then people will be pleased, and showing something might actually lead to getting the points as mm.
3: well. Yeah, I agree. The, the fixture list is really interesting. Um, I think eliminating the derby for a minute. That Swansea-Newcastle, if you take four from those two games, I think you're in a relatively comfortable, decent position um, looking ahead to January then. Then you've got, obviously, another one-off game because it's a cup one in another derby at Anfield. And then it, it does get quite sticky. But by that point, you would think this team has some sort of identity. You would th- I'd be very, very surprised. He's had
0: time with them. They've he's now had yeah. a number of games where they can work on shape and all that sort of stuff. He's not got a lot of training time, no. to be fair to him. But he's at least got them in matches and going through games and being able to draw, draw examples yeah. from that.
3: And I'd be staggered if they haven't got at least a couple of players in within the first week of the transfer window as well which is going to be a massive boost to everybody because um it, it almost feels like an an older Everton side this in one in which that you saw it under Moyes quite a lot where you know we've had that spate of signings in the summer which has gone disastrously wrong but Everton used to base themselves on the momentum they used to come out of transfer windows with under David Moyes. I remember sitting there, I was with you guys when we did the, one of the transfer specials a few years ago. and I, you I had was, your head in your hands at I 10 was, o'clock. I was pulling my hair out because there was an hour left and it looked like we missed out on James McCarthy. Gareth Barry was sitting at a service station on the M6 somewhere and Romelu Lukaku was headed back to West Brom. <laughs> and I was saying to you guys, we're going down because yeah. we've got no, and we ended up turning it around, signing those three players and then had the best Premier League season we've ever had. So. I mean, it's a horrible way to live on a knife edge on transfer windows, but it's what Moyes used to be a master at in terms of generating momentum when there wasn't any there. I mean, I remember the night when we we, we signed, um, we beat Spurs at home and Jelovic scored on his debut, and we we announced Stephen Pienaar and Dara Gibson on the same night, and it just gave everyone a massive lift. I remember going to Finch Farm the day after, and people were visibly buzzing and bouncing, and it's amazing what that can do. I mean, it's very... Mm. It's very sort of small time when you think of it about what Everton want to be these days. But that's what this will feel like when Everton go and get some players in, in January and it doesn't take too nope. long. It's going to be a massive shot in the arm.
0: OK, let's talk about the Derby then. Let's start with those Adam. Um, let's... we not run out of time. No, we've got 10 more minutes <laughs> 10 more minutes, don't you worry. Uh, Adam, it's... You feel as though, I mean, I don't know what you think the Liverpool manager will do. It's, it's quite clear that Jordan Henderson will come back in. It seems he's not being specific as what he intends to do at left-back. Moreno is out. Uh, we'll see what happens next there uh, as to what he does. Are you expecting them to go with that front four?
2: Yes. I think I am because they played quite so well uh, the other night. So I, I think... I think if they if they'd been all right, you know, say if they'd scored two between the four of them or something like that, I think he wouldn't be as bothered about mixing it up a little bit. But they clicked in a real a, a, a terrifying way, a way that, you know, sent notice out across across Europe actually for some teams that will be thinking I don't want to face Liverpool in the next round. And I think his temptation will be to say you're going to go up against a team here that are likely going to sit back. So let's see if that understanding is still there. I was talking before about how they made space for each other, how they made room for each other. Well, this is gonna be you know, this is against a team that are gonna be fighting more than Spartak fought and that you know, that have probably got more ability at the back than Spartak had. So I think he'll be tempted to go again because because it's not a big game afterwards. So the next one is one where he can say, "Well, I'm going to, you know." The next mix two, possibly, yeah, exactly. West, West Brom home and Bournemouth. if I take anyone lightly, you saw him, for instance, Stoke
0: and uh, Stoke and Brighton. He, he mixed and matched a little bit as well. He might think, "Well, I'll I'll go to four again, and then I'll mix
2: and match." Again. Exactly. The only thing, I, the only reason I think that maybe he will is he he, he was at pains today when somebody mentioned that you know the quote-unquote Fab Four. He was at pains today to say, you know, that's disrespectful to to other players. You know, the likes of Oxford Chamberlain who came in and, and has done really well whenever he's come in. And so there might be it might be in his head that that's, that's the, that he's going to make those changes. So he's getting that line in almost before he makes the changes. So we can say I'm not weakening the team. I'm just changing it. You know, and and that's kind of my thinking. John, what do you think he's going to do? Firstly, what do you think he's going to do at left back? Yeah, I think he'll play James Milner at left back.
1: I'd be really really shocked if he brings Robertson in now because um, Milner played really well there as well in the in the week, and I just think he's he's used Robertson so little. Um, that I think it'd be a massive shock to throw him in at the derby. I don't. I, I, I. mean, I don't think he'd be tested loads from a defensive point of view because I don't think Everton'll be set up like that. I just think you might think it's it's a bit it's a bit too much to kind of throw, throw him in on this one. You might you might see him there Wednesday. What's been example. the issue
3: with him in general,
1: though John? He's just not been playing him, mate. So he look he's looked really well, but um he's looked he's looked really good. But because he
3: was a regular Hull, wasn't he? So he, yeah, I mean he's got the Premier League yeah. experience. Hasn't for, he?
1: for whatever reason, he's just he's just decided to to buy his time with him and where he has played, he, he's looked good. But so, for example, he plays Brighton with that's left wing back, so it's slightly different. You know, less less defensive responsibilities. Um, that he plays a home game and plays well, but it was against a team who didn't attack much. I think it was Palace. It was Palace, he plays Palace. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so and that and that's sort of all we've seen really. He's 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 been a bit unlucky in that we didn't have a League Cup run at all, and the Champions League went right to the right to the death so I think you're like the light mm. of seeing him a little bit more in, in those games if we, if we could have done but I think he's also been lucky because Morano's playing so well yeah, yeah. yeah and I think there's that as well but but I think generally speaking he's just he's just a bit unsure about him from a defensive point of view at the moment going forward he looks great he's got a lovely cross on him and he looks a nice footballer but I don't mean he's just, just maybe just feels like he hasn't got time to work with him at the moment mm. with the games as thick and fast as they are and he thinks well, this guy needs a bit of help and look I've got bigger fish to fry than, than Andy Robertson's yeah. sauce <laughs> so, I think, so I think it's that so I think in terms of the fun six it depends how how much he want he wants to think about this as it depends on how much he wants to think about it, this is Everton is what I'm getting at really. I think if he's if he's look, he's if he's me, you're thinking I wanna I wanna I wanna batter these and I wanna I wanna play really well and so I'm gonna play my best four players and, and that but that's a bit of an emotional kind of thing really and he might be thinking, Look, I've got some big games coming up and if I can just rest one of them in each then that gives me a really strong team and, and then I can do bits with, with Chamberlain or do bits with Sturridge and and I wonder whether we might be thinking about these these kind of next few games coming up to Christmas and just going well I'd, I'd, I'd prefer if Salah missed one and then Manny missed one and then Firmino missed one and then Coutinho missed one rather than in one game where I can't pick three of them for example and I'm having to do something a bit makeshift he might he might decide to do that, but he might decide just to do that, just get to the other side of Everton and then do it.
0: I think he I'm of the view he might decide to get to the side of Everton and then do it, and I think you might see another half an hour cameo for storage against Everton, almost regardless of what the game situation is. Dave, what are you expecting from Everton? You expecting an unchanged lineup from the Huddersfield game?
3: I am. Um, no, I'm trying to think the Huddersfield lineup. I, I don't think Tom Davis will start. You don't? No, I think. Um, in fact, I, 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 I put a. Large chunk of money if it was if it was able to do it on Everton start with a back five, um, oh, right? Okay, with Kenny right, well, I'll say right wing back, but it will be a back five, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right wing back, uh, Martina, left left wing, Mar- back. yeah, which is frightening, and um, Holgate Williams and Keane. Um, Keane as the three. Although he was saying today that Jagielka is fit, so but oh, half fit Phil Jagielka petrifies me more than. Either of them three have full fitness. So I think that'll be the five at the back. And Gay, obviously, he'll, he'll play. And then I think this is where it gets interesting for me is where he put, plays Rooney. I, I personally think he will... He's get, he's adopted this free role that's been quite deep, certainly in the two games against West Ham and Huddersfield. Obviously, Liverpool are a completely different animal to that. I, I'd like to see him in a disciplined role alongside Gay with perhaps a little bit more freedom when Everton do get possession... They he's the key to getting them up up the field, um, but with, with his range of passing and, and whatnot. And then I think in front of that, you'll have Lennon on the right, you'll have Sigerton on the left, almost in the shape of a diamond. This, um, with well, in, in terms of this free role for Rooney, and then you've got Calvert Lewin up front on his own. I don't think he'll go to the ass, and I think that's how we'll, we'll try and keep solid. Um,
0: so it'll be a lot of a 5 4 f- five four one basically And then yeah. the idea of people springing to join Calvert-Lewin If he can hold it up and get yeah. involved
3: Yeah and and I think Adam Lennon's really impressed me Last couple of games um, he, he looks and obviously he's had his issues this year as well Which is obviously more testament to What sort of character he is to come back from that And play so well in, in, in his profession um, And he, he's really impressed me in terms of he looks really fit now He looks as quick as he ever has Certainly in an Everton shirt and um, he's been linking up well with John Joe Kenny. It's interesting that Milner is the shelf for left back for you guys because I'm just wondering whether Klopp might have had, and well, I'm pretty sure he will have in our last two games, where it looks as if there's a partnership building between Kenny and Adam Lennon, so maybe Klopp's thinking. Well, if Everton do come out or, or do get a chance to attack, it'll probably come from that side. So Milner being probably the better, more defensive-minded of the left backs on offer compared to Robertson. That it's might been more be
1: more reliable. Yeah, that's
3: what I mean. And and I think that you know it'd be interesting what what Kenny does because he seems to me he's he's really kicked on the last couple of games as most of them have, but he seems to me like he's got a real hot head, a, a, a headed streak about him. Um, he plays the game on the edge anyway that. at the best of times Yeah he does And I just wonder how that will size up against your guys Going forward. I think it's it's going to be a really difficult afternoon for him. Similarly with Martina Who's just like a headless chicken at the best of times But I, I, I think in playing five at the back I think it's, it's, a, it's a decent solution To what Liverpool are going to bring Because if they do get in behind Kenny and Martina You've got either the centre half You can go over and help um, and we're leaving Williams in the middle to deal with whatever else comes from Firmino or Coutinho arriving later, whoever it may be, and Everton have to defend deep. It's as simple as that. I, I, I've on the few podcasts I've done this week with the Blue Room, I've I've been saying that you could almost draw a line on the pitch where Everton's back line have to be because go too deep, you'll box yourself in like West Ham did against Man City the other night. If anyone watched that, which was just ridiculous, Moyes basically told them, look, as soon as the game starts basically stand on Adrian's mm. toes. That obviously brings problems for Pick for the a lot this season, We <coughs> drop too deep. And I think obviously the threat is an obvious one if you step up too high. So I think there's almost a definitive mark in Everton's half where they have to stay as a line. Um and then if we if we get the ball and we can't spring it, calvert loons decent in the air. If we get set pieces, He's we know we know we can trouble I, I seen a stat today Neil that really surprised me Calvert-Lewin's one of the most aerial duels in the league yeah. this season and, and he's not hes not that tall he's not that big when he fills out I think he could be a bit of a powerhouse he's
0: got a great spring on him but also he's yeah. really good running the channels so he, he offers you a bit of both so if it goes over his head yeah. he can do something else as well okay. I think
3: set pieces are our best chance and getting centre-halves up for them it's it, it's an old-school yard dog of a game and there's a certain way that I'd use if we weren't on the radio right now to describe Sam Allardyce's tactics in this one but that's clearly what he's going to do and I think clearly that's our best chance of getting a result Okay, uh, Adam give me a prediction
2: do you know after what I said before about psychology and Liverpool fans uh, Everton 1-0 <laughs> okay
0: Everton 1-0 Adam goes, honestly <laughs> I'm not joking Ever-
1: Everton 1-0 goes Adam I'm going Liverpool 1-0 John <laughs> He's a mad. We're gonna batter them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you've, you've just bought all that from Dave. No, no, no. <laughs> honestly, I just, I, I, the I dogs just think, of water. I, I
0: might go two 0 John. My thing on it is, I just think it, be, it quite quite quickly become the sort of game where both sides go, we're broadly speaking, happy with two nil. Do you know what? Like that.
1: We might win ten 0 as
2: well, though. Yeah. I think there are there are people, there are Evertonians who are legally allowed to drink that haven't been alive when Everton won at Anfield. They're gonna do two 0 later. I know, I but it, I know I agree with that. But it won't be this week. Wait till they get Birmingham.
3: <laughs> <laughs> then then we'll have to put up with it. Take new position. <laughs> You're not giving me much chance to it. <laughs> um, Clock's ticking, Dave yeah, it It's it your is. show You've it got is. to put it together It is Hey, listen I've heard it's going to be snowing as well And I can just imagine Level Big Sam with a pot of gravy On the sideline <laughs> That's steaming hot Hey, get off his
0: back He's out today Off the back of that divorce uh, Billigree by <laughs> Teresa. May He's made up He's <laughs> taking in, back control In, in on.
3: Sammy Lee Dressed like Eskimos On the sideline Telling everyone to get back On, on the goal line I, I'm going to Remarkably, which you, everyone who's listened to this show probably uh, will be surprised by this. I think we'll draw one all. I think one we'll all. score from a set piece.
0: One all. Okay then. Mm. Uh, I'm very much the fact that it will be a tight game, but Liverpool will will win through. You're John's of the road.
3: Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool are going to cut loose. <laughs> <laughs> if you score, honestly, if you score, if you early, it could be a just <laughs>
0: Dave Downey elsewhere. I love that John thinks we're all mad. Last time I saw him like this, it was before Liverpool went to Old Trafford in 13, I was thinking 14. about that before. It was exactly like that. Listen, we've gone too long. This is the Anfield wrap this week. Thanks to everyone.
3: Podcast Network.